welcome to The Burner, where I discuss all things Agile with colleagues, clients, and industry leaders. We will be giving you an honest take on tools and techniques, we'll share our experiences, debunk myths, and hopefully provide valuable inspiration. I'm Marcel Bridge, digital consultant, product owner, and business analyst. I've worked in digital before this even had a name, and since have been quite a bit around the blog. I've seen the good and the bad, and this is my way of giving back to the industry. So sit back, relax, and settle in for this week's episode. Happy New Year and hello to the first episode of 2022. We'll kick season three off with an exciting chat about chaos engineering with my colleague Lindsay Brewer from Equal Experts. I should say that Lindsay has an excellent conference talk about chaos engineering, which we'll reference a number of times. Lindsay and colleagues from Equal Experts have also written a chaos engineering playbook, which is freely available. I'll put links to both into the show notes, which you can access either via your podcast player or via theburnup.com. But now, without further ado, let's kick off today's episode. I know you because we've worked together years ago at Marcus Spencer, years of delivery lead. I was doing product and analysis. And I think I realized that the way you work, I enjoyed that because you care about people and teams and you were always trying new things out over the years. I've seen you do very different jobs. I mean, always <laughs> in the delivery space-ish, but you've kind of moved around a little bit. I think that was quite interesting. Then recently you got into this, I'm not sure whether this is a side hustle or a thing, but you got into, into chaos days a little bit more. Yes. Yeah, that's um, right. And then obviously in, in Oslo where Anton and I gave uh, a talk about British Council, you gave your talk about chaos days, which I thought was really interesting. And we'll link to this. Yeah. And that, that's, I thought, you know, it'd be interesting to talk to you about chaos days. But before we go there, maybe do you want to introduce yourself a little bit like what you do, how you ended up there and what you're doing right now? Sure, certainly myself. And my name is Lindsay Pruer. I'm currently working as a, a delivery lead for Equal Experts. And the delivery lead is a very broad title. Uh, I get involved in all sorts of things from uh, leading single or multiple delivery teams, uh, also doing some kind of product ownership, also looking at architecture, worrying about all of the things that can cause a delivery to go wrong. A few years ago, I was working on a, a very large public sector platform where we had a few platform-based teams looking after things like the CICD systems, the logging, monitoring, and alerting systems, the actual infrastructure. And they provided this platform to around 50 to 60 delivery teams that were providing public-facing services and, and APIs. And it was there that I started getting involved in chaos days. And that's where we had improved the resilience of, of the platform to a sufficient extent that we wanted to explore more about it. And through that, I guess prior to that as well, my, my background in helping teams improve their delivery I've had a strong interest in understanding why things go wrong in production. So doing mm -hmm. things like post-mortem, post-incident reviews. Can I just ask you on that, Lindsay, sure. was this just a theoretical interest or was this because you had been burned before and you thought there was something to really sort out because you didn't want to be on the receiving end of another stakeholder complaining why things go wrong? That interest in postmortems and improving resilience came about through being in, in various organizations where we, we had several production incidents. Right. And so this is going back a, quite about 10 years where I was at an organization that we were delivering a weekly into production. So it moved mm -hmm. to more of a continuous delivery approach from six monthly releases. And it was a large cloud-based um, system used by multiple tenants. And when we were doing various releases and trying to go fast with our releases, we found that those led to production issues. And I saw the benefit in whenever we had a production issue to get the team together and to go through 
kind of step by step what happened right so that we could learn more about the system more about how we responded to that issue and mm-hmm. what we could do to improve our response next time and how we can design our systems to be more resilient and that interest in in in, in postmortems and, and learning from failure is what's led me to be more interested then in different types of ways of improving the resilience of systems and chaos days and chaos engineering is one branch of engineering that allows you to focus on on resilience on that note, Lindsay, can you give us a little bit of a, a definition of a chaos day or what, what is it? What do people have to expect when you say chaos day? What does that mean? Sure. A chaos day is a either one day or, or several days across a week where a team designs some experiments that they want to run on their system. And those experiments are around changing the characteristics of, of the system. So either simulates one or more failures or simulates some system components not behaving quite right. So it doesn't have to be a total outage of your database or a particular instance. It could be that one of five instances goes down and then comes back again and goes down and comes back again. Or it could be that your network traffic between particular instances starts slowing down or your disks start filling up. It's basically you're looking for experiments of things that you're not quite sure how they're going to impact your system or things that you're worried about if they were to happen. And there is a likelihood that they're going to happen, that you're not confident that your system will handle very well. So by running these, designing these experiments and then running them um, either in in production or pre-production environments with a representative load against that environment, that allows you to see exactly how your systems behave. The reason we can look at both multiple experiments and also running these experiments either in production or a very production-like environment is that when production incidents occur for real, we don't predict them. And they happen generally because of a combination of issues that we don't understand very well and hadn't foreseen. And so a chaos day allows us to control the failures and the slowdowns and the changes that are, that are happening and for us to very, very kind of closely observe how they impact the system and also observe how do the teams that normally look after those systems respond to remedy those issues. I'm pretty sure you've heard of Nassim Taleb's book, like, you know, Black Swan and Anti-Fragile, where he talks about these black swans being these incidents or things that happen that are by nature not predictable because they haven't happened before. So everything we can predict, we can test for, we can write tests for, right? Therefore, it's not a problem. It's the unknown unknowns, really. Testing for those and then also exploring, as you said, team behavior when it comes to the unexpected or even the expected, but seeing how the team reacts and maybe honing that skill of dealing with incidents. So I guess my question is, is that the key value of running a chaos day? Obviously, this takes time, effort. Sure. Teams can't build stuff while they're running these things and it creates chaos, possibly, as you, you know. Um, so how do you sell this to senior stakeholders? Why is this a good thing to do? There's lots of benefits to, to running a chaos day. I think the, the starting point uh, in, in trying to sell it or explain it to a senior stakeholder is that generally the systems that we're working with today, the modern IT systems, are very, very complex systems. Complex because they're made up of many, many components, and those components have different dependencies interact in different ways. And because of the amount of complexity, the number of different components, the way they interconnect, we can't, as you said, predict exactly what will happen when one of those components or several of those components fail. It's the emergent behavior. Yeah. So if it's a very simple system with just two components with one connection between them, then we can probably you know, simulate all the different failure conditions and test those. But with modern complex systems, we can't cover all of the different types of failure conditions. Plus, modern systems that are very large, they need multiple people to look after them and to respond when something goes wrong. And those people form a system themselves. Different people have different mental representations of what they're working with. 
I think this is a really good point. We sometimes miss, we think we can write all the end-to-end tests we need to write and whatever, and we forget that it's people, systems, and technology together, right? People is a totally different dimension and dynamic on top of that. Absolutely. And that's where chaos days are really provided a significant benefit in that there's things people learn throughout the whole process about their system, about what can cause it to fail and how it how those failures manifest, and then how to more effectively respond. When I'm explaining this to a stakeholder, I would probably generally start by asking, what things are they worried about with their system, their service? Have things gone wrong in the past before? Are they worried about certain things happening again in the future? And do they have any significant events coming up? Maybe a cyber five type peak, or if there is a a business event, so maybe a launch of a new service or product that's going to suddenly drive lots of traffic to their site. Are they confident that their site or service will perform without any problems? And if they have any kind of particular concerns, or if it's a new kind of piece of architecture that they're introducing, then I'll explain that chaos days are a very low risk way of getting extra confidence in the kind of resilience of your system and detecting early and in a controlled way how something could go wrong and saving the cost and embarrassment of things going wrong in production in an uncontrolled way. You said low risk here. It's clear from how you've been talking about it that it is. But at the same time, when I mentioned this to one of my recent clients, he hadn't heard of this concept and he thought it was quite interesting. And then when I explained to him a little bit what it was, he said, oh, yeah, that's what the cool guys do, you know, what the Netflixes and the Amazons and whoever do. But, you know, in our organization, that would never pass OPSEC, InfoSec. Mm-hmm. And no stakeholder would want to take risk because they would be like, well, hang on, you're creating problems and bugs. And as you said, you need to do this ideally on production. So how do you sell this in terms of taking the fear away? that you're literally fucking up their system. Sure. If you have an environment that is not production, but is very like production, so ideally if you're using how we call cookie-cutter environments where you set up your infrastructure and deploy your servers in exactly the same way to those environments as you would production, then using a pre-production environment is absolutely fine for doing chaos testing and chaos days. The only requirements are that, firstly, that it's a representative environment of production, so the similar problems will manifest in similar ways. Secondly, that you can put a load on that environment so you can send requests and traffic to that environment that will be similar enough to production um, that if things go wrong, you'll see the problems manifest in the same way. Many organizations have performance um, tests set up that simulate production load, and that's a perfect way of, of inducing load when you're running a chaos day. Then finally, the way you observe things needs to be the same. So things like if you have logs or monitoring or alerting set up, it's important to have that configured on the environment you're doing your chaos day to be as it would be in production. Because the monitoring, the logging is, is a key part of how we respond to an issue. So people need to be able to see exactly what they would see in production and be alert in the same way. And going back to your question about the risk element, if you have a pre-production environment that is ticks all the boxes I've described, then there is very little risk in running a chaos day on that. The only impact of running a chaos day on a, on a pre-production environment is, is firstly the time it takes to prepare. And depending on the scale of chaos day, I would generally recommend running no more than 10 experiments. And you probably want a team of at least two to five people running those experiments. And they'll take a, a few hours to brainstorm what the experiments are and to design them and then a day to run them. So your total cost is probably about three days for those five people. The wider teams that are involved in the chaos day, they don't need to be involved throughout. They can still be working during the chaos day. In fact, it's really important that they treat the chaos day as a regular 
day's work. They shouldn't be waiting for something to happen because when a production issue happens, you don't know. You don't know it's going to happen, do you? It's not planned. And so those people will be working as normal. And you know, there may be some cost. If there's lots of problems that they struggle to resolve, then yes, it may cost all of the other teams or whoever's on support that day uh, a lot of time. The other time cost is doing the retrospective afterwards. And this is really important that particularly if you're running a chaos day with multiple teams, that each team gets together afterwards and does like a post-instant review of the problems that they saw. So what happened? How did we observe it? What did we do to respond? How did we resolve the issue? What issues couldn't we resolve? And that's where you get a lot of learning come out for the team, where they improve their understanding of the system, how they observe it, how they can rectify it when problems go wrong. You get learning right at the beginning as well, just in terms of the benefits that when the teams are designing the experiment, that's a great opportunity for people to share the different mental models they have with their systems. So the risks are going to lower if you're doing it in pre-production. You can do these experiments in production as well, but I, I wouldn't go there unless I could be certain and confidently explain to stakeholders that any experiments we run in production will have no noticeable impact on clients or business. And that's what Netflix and other organizations do. When they're running experiments production, they know that the error threshold that those experiments will go up to will be no greater than the steady state error threshold. Uh, that is quite difficult to organize. Are chaos days right for every organization? Maybe the question is, organizations of different maturity, should they do different things for chaos testing? I think it's right for any organization that isn't having a production issue every week. So if, so if you need to have a certain amount of stability, I think you want to be ready to run a kind of a chaos day. So if you've got to a point where your production issues are a few times a year, then it doesn't matter how big or small you are, you can work in a complex system, which most teams are these days then there's definite benefit in either running a chaos day or doing kind of other types of, of chaos testing. So for instance, you could do a very small scale approach where if a team is working on a, a significant change to the system, so maybe introducing a new piece of architecture, uh, like a cloud-based database or a new kind of service, then in designing that change, they should think about the failure modes and, and how they can simulate those failure modes and what they can do to test them. When they get that change into a pre-production environment, as well as doing your regular functional testing and any kind of performance type testing, that's a great opportunity to then think, okay, what failures you know, are we unsure about as to how you know, they will impact the rest of the system? Let's test those failures, let's simulate them. And just having those conversations as a team is a great way of the team learning about how the system is going to work. So that's a very small scale way of running a chaos type experiments on a per team basis. And if teams can have a doing those with every change, then that's really, really beneficial. I think if you're running a larger platform where you have multiple teams uh, working on services that interact, that's when it needs a bit more coordination and probably a bit more planning. It's helpful having one person do that, that facilitation to get people from those teams together to discuss what experiments they can run, how those experiments will interact and coordinate that execution. So how do you actually go about running a chaos day? So what are the steps? Obviously, we'll link to the talk you've given. Um, sure. You also told me you wrote a playbook with equal experts, I believe. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So we've taken our, our learnings of doing chaos days in several different organizations and, and distilled them in, into a, an open source playbook that goes through this, you know, what I'm describing in more detail. There's three steps to running a, a chaos day. There's the preparation, there's the running of the day itself, the execution, and then there's the review. The first step, is to get the team together to brainstorm what it is about our system that could go wrong. And that the best way to start with that is you get as many people together that know the system and sketch out the architecture, sketch out your system and annotate your, your, your architecture diagram with the traffic that goes through it and how you observe it. And then talk about what could go wrong. What is it we're worried about? What's our biggest risk, our biggest fear in terms of different components that we have control over failing? And in that brainstorming, you might come up with 20, 30 different fears of failure. 
the next step is then to kind of prioritize though and, and pick you know, five to 10 of your top risks that you want to learn more about. We have a, a, a framework for a, an experiment that you then do go into more detail on for those five to 10 risks. And it typically covers what is the failure that we're going to induce or simulate? What do we expect to happen? And you know, how will it be observed? So then you go into kind of more detail about the actual you know, steps to, to simulate the failure, describe more about what you expect the teams to do, what your hypothesis on, on, on how systems or teams will respond to resolve it. Very importantly to also document, if it's not resolved, how will you roll back that change? Because you don't want to leave your system as a completely broken <laughs> yeah. mess at the end of the day. In thinking about experiments, you need to consider what's your blast radius as well. So which parts of the system do you have control over that, you know, if something were to go wrong, you are able to do something about it. Because if uh, Amazon or Google Cloud goes down, there's not much you can do, to be honest, unless you're in a multi-cloud environment. It's important just to constrain your thinking to the areas that you can control. Also think about areas of the system that should be off limits. So perhaps if there's a high priority release or business event about to happen, and if you were to mess up that particular part of the system, it would delay that, then it's important to agree that's off limits. There's benefit in being as many people as possible because as you're designing this experiment, so you're learning about how your, your system works. You can also constrain it to just a few people uh, so that there's the element of surprise when these experiments are actually run. Both work quite well. If you're picking the latter model where you're just constraining it to a few people, then we recommend that you take the, the people on your team that have what we call the highest bus factor. Uh, so if they were knocked over by a bus tomorrow, you'd be, of course, very upset. But it would mean that if something went wrong in production, your team would be really, really stuffed and not very effective in responding. So take the person who you always go to when there's a production issue and they generally sort things out. If you're going with a model where you just have you know, the most experienced people, then they can design these experiments in, in secret. So there's this element of surprise. Then you agree either the day you're going to run these experiments or, or the kind of week and you spread it out throughout the week. You need to decide how much notice you're going to give to the other teams that are going to be impacted because it's useful if you know people are planning releases in that week for them to be aware that there's going to be a planned chaos. But it's also good to have that element of surprise because you want people to be working as normal and not expect these, these problems when they occur. The team need to agree a date, uh, agree how are these issues when they come up going to be discussed. So you want to use whatever channel if you're using Teams or Slack, a dedicated channel that is similar to how you would communicate a production issue. Uh, just to again, make it as, as realistic as possible and to give people that practice. It's like doing a fire drill. We're trying to help people develop habitual behavior. So you agree the date, agree how you're going to communicate. Uh, and then we go on to the kind of execution part. It's useful, I think, still having a facilitator involved in the execution because the team that's running these experiments throughout the day or throughout the week, they, it's helpful to have someone just ensure that they're keeping pace. They're not spending all the time on a single experiment that's taking hours and hours to bring the system down, that they want to get through quite a fair number of experiments to maximize the learnings you get from this event. Also important when you're executing a chaos day to document it well. It's a bit like responding to an incident. You want to make it easy to have a timeline that you can go through afterwards. So it's the same with actually running the experiments. It's useful to document either in your communication tool or on the Trello card for each experiment. This all improves the learning you get from it and how you can improve the next chaos day. To run the experiments, it's useful to understand which experiments you should run separately. Because if you take out all of the team's logging and monitoring and make them blind, there's little value in running other experiments at the same time. But some experiments are useful to run together. So, so maybe taking out a, uh, one database instance and or one service. 
recommends that if you're running these on a particular day that you agree a cutoff time that is an hour or two before the end of the day so you've got plenty of time to ensure everything's back to normal <laughs> with the first time we ran our chaos day uh, it took several days to get our pre-production run back to normal and and that was uh, caused a lot of angst in the team <laughs> can imagine <laughs> yeah yeah get your environments back to normal and then you move on to the kind of the third stage which is the retrospective so if it was just a small single team uh, running a chaos day, then they meet together to uh, run a retrospective that is a cross between doing a, a post-mortem. So you step through uh, each experiment, you know, what did we observe? What was the timeline? How did we respond? What did we learn about the system? What did we learn about how we observe it, how we respond? Any suggestions for improvement? Also spend some time thinking about how we can improve the next time we run a chaos day or a set of chaos experiments. So looking at those two types of learning. If you're running this with lots of teams, then I recommend uh, each team run this kind of retrospective themselves, and then they summarize what their key kind of takeaways are, both in terms of what do we learn about the system that you know, improves its resilience or improves our way of responding to instance, and what also can we do to improve the next chaos day. And then bring those key takeaways together into like a retro of retros, where one person from each team shares them with the others. And then distribute the write-up of what you've learned so that other people in the organization can learn about it. Try and have that session within a few days of the, of the chaos day. So that's, yeah, the general, the three steps to get the most learning from a chaos day. How often per year do you suggest to kind of run this? I mean, again, I think it depends with maturity. Maybe you do it more frequently later than in the early stages, but... Uh, well, for a, for a new organization, I, I would suggest running one event and then trying to do one at least within six months following it. Because right. it depends on what, what you can learn from it. It might be that your first chaos day teaches you lots of things and shows up different areas of improvement that you want to work on and address before you run another chaos day. But chaos days generally will always unearth new things. Um, so I guess you need to pace them with the capacity of your team to absorb those learnings. Part of the kind of scheduling is with the chaos day, we're not trying to generate a massive to-do list for teams in terms of things to fix, you know, new alerting or dashboards to add. It's it's a bit like a post-mortem. We're using it to learn about how the system works, how we respond to the system, and those lessons that we take on ourselves help to improve the resilience of the system. I think as teams mature, so they want to get in the habit of, of running these chaos experiments on, on a much smaller scale. So with every change, every significant change they're doing, it'd be good for teams to be doing their own kind of chaos chaos day for large systems and um, we have multiple teams having a regular chaos day every every six months it should be clear from what you've been saying but just to emphasize that point on one hand it is obviously finding problems from a technical perspective and, and improving on those but i think there is this really big element around cultural change as well in there right in how you deal with things that come up unexpectedly and get thrown at you and, and how as a team or multiple teams how, or as an organization, how do you handle these things? And then how do you improve and continue learning from there? Yes, that's, that's very important to stress. We're not learning just about technical improvements, you know, how to put retry mechanisms into our, our software or how to increase the number of instances so they can handle more load more gracefully. It's as much about how do we improve what people understand about our systems? How do we improve what they can observe about them? So you know, improving the, the kind of logging and the metrics that, we, that our systems emit. And also, how do we better coordinate when something goes wrong? And you see this time and time again, when you are involved enough in a production issue that you can understand what's going on, but you're, you can still be slightly detached. So you can observe at a higher level how people are responding. I often notice that the teams that aren't so experienced and practiced at responding to production issues, their response itself is very chaotic. 
and you see a huge difference in the effectiveness of response that if if a team is is well practiced and has, has learned how to manage production issues well then it doesn't look chaotic it looks calm organized still you know urgent and and people are working very hard and very effectively but you see such a difference and and that generally reflects in the in the speed of response as well and how quickly normal services return so chaos day is a great way of helping people get better responding to production issues this is super interesting. Lindsay, if people want to know a little bit more about this, where can they find out more? Where can sure. they find you? If I'm on LinkedIn and there'll be there'll be links to my contact details on the talk and in our playbook as well. We have a range of consultants at Equal Experts that do this type of chaos days and chaos uh, experiments at different organizations. And we're very happy to talk to other organizations that have have an interest in trying these out for themselves. I re highly recommend the book Chaos Engineering by a kind of a range of authors and that describes the whole field of chaos engineering in much greater depth and has many excellent case studies on, from different organizations. Great. I'll put links to all of those, obviously, in the show notes. And then my final question, like, what's um, what are you doing at the moment? What's the next thing for you, either Chaos Day or other interesting things? I, I'm involved in something very different at the moment. So, from from April, I, I had quite a change in in my role. So instead of being a delivery lead for a single small team, um, I'm now working as a technical program manager across a number of teams on a, a very complex system that has significant kind of mechanical uh, and you know human elements to it. And that has been a fascinating system to work on because when we have production issues, you're having to coordinate not just across technical teams looking at you know technical services, but also work with the people that are operating. You know, this 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 system and understand what kind of mechanical aspects might be contributing to the issue. It's been a great opportunity to apply some of my experience of, of helping improve postmortems and how we can kind of run experiments to to understand these systems better uh, and a, a lot more complexity, I'd say, than than just a regular kind of set of uh, software services. Definitely anything that has significant human component and a significant number of mechanical components involved as well is uh, much more interesting, I, I find, to, to work with. More tangible as well. Uh, so that's great fun. Is there any reason why, for a system like, I guess what you're describing could be an assembly line or something like mm -hmm. that, why you couldn't do something like Chaos Days in, the, in an environment with a hardware component and heavy human processes? No reason at all. And I think they're just as good a place to, to apply the principles of chaos engineering too, providing you can still isolate the business from any impact. Uh, I think it's, it's a very good idea. And because it's so much more complex as well, there's so many different ways these, these things can fail and very hard to predict all these different failures. So running chaos engineering in, in um, that kind of environment is, is, a, is a very good idea. It's something that we've not got to yet because, uh, you know, I said that if you have a certain level of production instance, then you're getting lots of free learning <laughs> already. And that's um, <laughs> yes. the kind of state that we're we've been at but things have been improving kind of recently so i think in, in the new year that's something that we'll be looking at running uh, and definitely before our next peak event we've, we've been talking about running a, a chaos day excellent cool um i might at some point in the future come back to you and uh, see whether we can talk about the project you're working on right now that sounds um super interesting especially the as you said the tangible nature of things Lindsay, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me i really appreciate thank it you. it's been great and we'll leave it here remember Lindsay's contact details, links to his Chaos Day talk and playbook, all in the show notes. I hope to see you next time when I'll be talking to my client Anthony Nichols about starting a movement of agile transformation at British Council.
That's it for today's episode. For further details, have a look at the show notes in your podcast player or on theburnup.com. If lean and agile are interesting to you, you may also want to pop by my blog at thedigitalbusinessanalyst.com. I'm very interested in your feedback and ideas and happy to discuss interesting opportunities from consulting to coaching to getting involved in actual projects. For inquiries, please visit theburnup.com. This podcast is produced by Burnup Media Limited under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, non-derivatives 4.0 license, which means you can share it as long as you give credit, but you cannot change it or make money of it. Until next time, thanks again for listening and have a wonderful day. Thank you.